It is a good day to be here today. Thank you guys for stepping up and stepping in and doing a little bit different this morning. Uh, we appreciate that so much. I'll be back and we'll sing again in a couple of minutes. Show of hands, how many of you have been blessed this week? That's awesome. Lisa, how has God blessed you this week? Wow, even better. Right before hurricane season, right? Here we go. All right. Who else has been blessed this week? Not as many hands went up. Did you notice that? See, that's what happens. Oh, for, oh we've all been blessed. Well, I finally got a quote from a Their roof, yeah. And, and, and you, but you work for a tree company. I do work for a tree company. Are they doing the work? They are doing the work. Okay. <laughs> that that, that had been really awkward here, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Anybody in the back been blessed? Any blessings in the back? Kirk, what you got? That's awesome. Now, if you'd have added to that, and I delivered the baby, that, that would have been a story and a half. All right. My internship starts tomorrow on Monday. I am doing an internship. It's a graphic design and social media design internship for a capoeira school. For those of you who don't know, capoeira is Brazilian dance battling. It's like a combination of dance and martial arts. And I'm going to be doing logo design, social media design, and graphic design for this company, and in the meantime, I'm also working on art commissions. If you're interested, private message me on Facebook. (laughs) 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 And at your parties, corporate events, weddings, funerals, whatever. And I'm I'm trying to do this because my goal is to to move out or be close to it by my birthday on August 12th. All right. There you go. A lot going on. Now, most of you don't know that I was heavily involved in dance and martial arts, um, but unfortunately, a hamstring injury ended my career, um, which is why I don't do that anymore, just so you know. Um, I've kind of followed back on that a little bit. We're, we're in a series where we are talking about bringing on tomorrow, but the idea behind that is that we are seeing our lives for what they are, and we're seeing how blessed we are today, and realizing because we are blessed today that we are to bless others, and because of that, there's an excitement about what's happening next. We can't wait for tomorrow to get here. We're excited about what God is going to do in our lives next. And so this is a series that we're uh, kind of ramping up into the summer with. We're hitting that time of year where we're going to have folks that are going to be in and out. But for us here at the Church at 434, when a lot of other places kind of wind down in the summer months, we ramp up. And for us, summers are big times where a lot of things happen, and this summer is no exception to that. And so we'll talk more about that as we get a little bit further in um, to the summer. But take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 19. 
verses 16 through 29. I'm going to also add 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Um, a little bit later, you don't have to turn if you don't want to. And I'm going to talk to you about t- today about being a blessing. B-E-E-I-N-G, being uh, a blessing. We, um, the attitude that we have about tomorrow matters. Um, Jesus tells us we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Uh, that tomorrow has uh, all sorts of problems of its own. Uh, today is the day that, that we have and it's the day that he gives and he'll take care of us. He promises his ad. But one of the things that happens in our life if we're not careful is we forget the value of a day. And every single day that you have is a gift. And every single day that you live, you're living on borrowed time. You didn't do anything to create this day. You can't do anything to manufacture tomorrow. So the fact that you got up this morning, that you're living, breathing, that you're a part of this event right now, that is a gift. And God didn't give it to you by accident. He didn't give it to you to squander. He gave it to you to do something with. And so the question is, what will you do with it? And when you start each day that way, when you recognize your life for the gift that it is, It changes the way that you live each moment. You don't want to squander a day. You don't want to squander a moment. You don't want to take a day and just waste it. You want to make sure that you step into the fullness of what God has for you. And so today we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I shared with you a couple weeks ago that we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. We went back to the book of Genesis when God tells Abraham, he goes, I am going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I shared with you that from the very beginning, God has been in the blessing business. And if God has a default mode, it's blessing. He loves to bless you. He loves to bless his people. By a show of hands, early on, all of you have been blessed this week. Now, when it came time to sharing them, you all weren't quite as excited about it. But it doesn't mean you're not as blessed. He has blessed you, and... God just does that, and he does it over and over again. My fear is sometimes we are so blessed we forget how blessed we are. Uh, I'm fearful sometimes that we take it for granted. And when we take it for granted, then we cease embracing the day, and we cease living the life that we were created uh, to live. Um, Doesn't mean that life's always easy. Often, the difference between an obstacle and opportunity is how we look at it. Potential is God's gift to you. What you do with that is your gift back to God. And so today we're going to talk about being a blessing. If you have your Bibles open or your apps open or whatever you're using, we're going to jump into what is a familiar story. I'm going to tell you four things out of this story that I think will be helpful for you today. The first thing I want to talk about is the sting, sting of a blessing. The sting of a blessing. I'll explain that in just a second. Just then a man came up to Jesus and said, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. This is the story of the rich young ruler. Um, It's a compelling story. And he is an interesting character in Scripture because of the description that we have of him. What do we know about him? Well, he's rich. He's young. 
And he's a ruler. He's everything everybody wants to be. Everyone likes to have a little money. They like to have youth on their side. And a little bit of power is a good thing. The rich young ruler is really the model of what most people in our culture are looking for today. And he steps into the story coming up to Jesus and saying, you know what? This is who I am. What do I need to do? And Jesus lays it out. On paper, this guy has a perfect life. He's got the life that everybody wants. And yet what he says next reveals that there is something sadly missing. Look at verse 20. What do I still lack? He had it all, but he had nothing. He had everything that he could want, but obviously was still missing something. And I've been pastoring a long time now, and I've met a lot of people who are possessed by their possessions. And the rich young ruler could have leveraged his wealth to do a lot of different things. This guy has a huge upside when it comes to opportunity. He has a moment where he can do a variety of things, but yet his self-worth seems to be tied to his net worth. And this is why blessings, if you're not careful, can sting you. Because if you are not wise, the blessing might come back and hurt you if you don't recognize how powerful the blessing really is. That's why I said sometimes we don't start our day thinking of life as we should. Sometimes we don't see life as the blessing that it is. But with that blessing comes great responsibility. And with that blessing that is a gift from God for you, it's not something to be taken lightly. Or think of it this way. Your greatest asset could become your greatest liability if you don't use it for the purpose that God gave it to you for. See, a lot of us think that each day is ours just because it is. Like we deserve it for some reason. And when we start our day that way, what we have done is we have missed out on the fact that no, God chose to give you this day as a gift. And because he gave it to you as a gift, there's something wrapped in that day that he has for you to do. One of the ways we honor God is we um, give back to him each moment. And we, and we have to make a choice. We have to desire to do that. On the day that we honor our graduates, we honor where they have been. But one of the things we talk about when we talk to our graduates is that they're, they're moving forward. This is the next step in their journey. And we're excited for them because our graduating class, they are packed with potential. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do with that. But the graduates will tell you they have heard time after time after time. They have a responsibility now. They have to do something with what they've been given. Well, so do you. Each one of us have to do something with what God has given us. And if not, it will come back and it will bite us. It will sting us. And it will hurt. And we'll spend our lives frustrated, upset, and angry because we never step up and become that person that God has called us to be. I know a lot of people who are miserable, and they are miserable because they don't understand how blessed they are. And they refuse to see how blessed they are. And because they refuse to see how blessed they are, they are content to stay miserable. And they get mad when people dare to suggest that they ought not feel that way. Understanding, we're not talking about feelings here. This is a choice that you make of how you will live your life. And when you choose to live your life, by blessing others because you've been blessed, it changes everything about you. 
it changes your existence. The sting of a blessing. You've got to be aware of it. The second thing I want you to see is also is the scare of a blessing. The scare of a blessing. Any of you in the room afraid of bees? Okay. If so, you have what is known as melissophobia. Anybody in here named Melissa? <laughs> People are scared of you, by the way. Uh, that's a fear of bees. Um, also, uh, in Latin, it would be apophobia. Uh, again, all related to honeybee. Um, but worse than bees, we hear from time to time about the Africanized honeybees. You ever heard about the African honeybees? Man, we hear about them, and they come in, and they seem to swarm, and they just destroy whatever they touch. We are, uh, I mean, it's terrifying. And so if you're afraid of bees, that's bad. But if you think about a killer bee, it's even worse, right? Remember the murder hornets a couple years ago? They were awful. I mean, terrifying. We didn't come outside for a year or two years. We got vaccines against them. They were awful. Believe it or not, in Florida, though, you don't have to worry because Florida is such a good place to live, we actually have, this is true, a Florida African Bee Action Plan. Most of you are not aware of this, but today is your day. Let me read it to you. This is part of our state record. News reports of mass sting attacks will promote concern and in some cases panic and anxiety. It will cause citizens to demand responsible agencies and organizations to take action to help ensure their safety. We anticipate increased pressure from the public to ban beekeeping in urban and suburban areas. This action would be counterproductive. Beekeepers maintaining managed colonies of domestic European bees are our best defense against an area becoming saturated with AHB, which is African honeybees. These managed bees are filling an ecological niche that could only be occupied by less desirable colonies if they were vacant. In other words, cutting through the mix, we now are subsidizing raising European honeybees in Florida because if we didn't, we're fearful that the African honeybees would come in. And the African honeybees are killer bees. So we got to have bees. We want to have good ones. Why? Because we're scared of bees. Uh, let's be honest. We're talking about blessings of God. And I know you're not going to admit this, but I can guarantee you. I looked at that 9 o'clock crowd this morning and I knew I was talking to them. Um, some of us are just afraid of the blessings of God. We really are. We're afraid of the blessings of God. We know that sounds funny to say, and we don't want to be. Um, but deep down inside... We know that if God blesses us, he has some expectation for our life. And that terrifies us. It terrifies us because we just know sometimes we don't measure up. It terrifies us because we know that we're not that great. And if God has blessed us and he wants us to do something, sometimes that scares us to death. Jesus answers in verse 21, if you want to be perfect, Go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, I always used to feel bad for the rich young ruler. I mean, wouldn't it have been great if Jesus would have just said, make a healthy contribution to the ministry and we'll be okay. Or Jesus could have said, why don't you start with a tithe? That's a low bar. 
Uh, that's Old Testament. That's New Testament. Just start with a tithe. Well, let's do that first. But Jesus, no, no, no. Jesus says, I want you to go sell all of it. All of it. And then you can follow me. You might be asking, why did he do that? I will tell you why. Because Jesus loved him too much to ask for anything less than everything. And he loves you that much too. We focus so, so often in the story of what Jesus actually asked, asked him to give up. And that is the actual cost. But what we fail to consider is what Jesus offered in exchange. A three-year internship with the Son of God and a lifetime of memories. See, that's the opportunity cost. The actual cost had a dollars and cents sign to it. The opportunity cost had moments that would change him forever. See, the disciples that followed Jesus didn't take a vow of poverty. They, they left their nets, they left their boats, but we find out time and time again, they went back and they got in those boats and they used those nets again. Um, they certainly changed their lifestyle when they followed Jesus, but they didn't give it all up. They held on to it. Um, but think about what they got for those three years of hiking and camping and fishing and watching Jesus. How many times after Jesus was gone would Peter and John be sitting at a table having a drink of cool water and John looks at Peter and says, do you remember when we were drinking that water and Jesus turned that water into wine? Yeah, that was something else. Or maybe Philip, remembering the best fish that he ever had was the fish that Jesus fixed that morning on that beach after he came back from the dead. He used some special spice in it. He never told them what it was. But it was the best fish he ever had fried over an open fire. How often did they talk about that? How often did they talk about, you remember the look on that lady's face when Jesus looked at her and said, your faith has made you whole? And the joy that was there. Opportunity. Those were the moments that they had with Jesus. Moments that you can't buy. That you can't put a price tag on. Those are the moments when God steps in and because you weren't so afraid to do what he asked you to do, something incredible happened. See, everywhere that Jesus goes, he raises the bar. I, I was thinking as I was getting ready to put this uh, Bible study together, I was 20 some odd years old and I was in South Florida uh, and I was serving as a student minister. And about uh, 2 a.m. one night, the phone rang in the town home I was living in. And, and those were the days, by the way, that we didn't have cell phones. So when the phone rang, it would just ring and ring and ring and ring and ring until somebody answered it. And a 2 a.m. call is never good anyway, but uh, it was just ringing and ringing and ringing. So I remember going to the kitchen and I actually had to grab the phone that was mounted to the wall and answer it. And at that time, um, I have a friend of mine who was uh, one of the lead sports writers for the Palm Beach Post. And he said, Jeff, and he named this young man who was an all-star baseball player in the area. He's been in a car wreck. They've taken him to the hospital, um, and they want you to come. Can you come? It's 2 a.m., early Sunday morning. Sure. Uh, get dressed, jump in a car, heading that way. And I remember very distinctly sitting at a stoplight, heading toward the hospital, and the thought struck, 
what are you doing? You don't know this player. You don't know his family. You don't know what you're getting ready to drive into. They just asked for somebody to come and you said yes. This could be incredibly bad. What are you doing here? And I will admit to you, 20 some odd years old as I sat there at light, I really did think about turning around and going back to the townhouse. I was scared. The unknown. What was going to happen? Obviously it was bad. They called me. I was thinking, why didn't they call our pastor? Why didn't they call somebody who knew the family? Why didn't they call somebody else? I mean, you know, you got to be pretty long totem pole to call a student minister. But they did. When I got there, I pulled up into the hospital parking lot. There were police, uh, police cars everywhere, uh, lights flashing. Uh, I came in. They ushered me in. They said, Jeff, the team and some of his friends are in the parking lot. You need to talk to them. Okay. So I stood up in the back of a pickup truck, kind of like we did during the pandemic days out in the parking lot. And as I was getting ready to get up in that pickup truck, I thought to myself again, what are you getting ready to say? You don't know who these people are. You're not even sure what's going on inside yet. And so I talked to the team. We prayed. We talked about life. We talked about Jesus. Got down out of the truck. And with the police, I walked inside the hospital. They escorted me into an ICU room. As I walked in, the doctor was by the bed. And he stepped back. He said, oh, good. The pastor's here. And he looked at me. And I looked at the nurse, and I said, what are we getting ready to do? And she said, we're getting ready to take him off life support right now. We were waiting for you to get here. And this is his mom. This is his dad, his brother, his sister. They wanted you to be here before we did it. I've never met these people in my life. I, at that time, had not been in a room where we unplugged somebody from life support. My first time. And so, we talked, and I prayed. And I remember to this day, I have been to a lot of hospital rooms, and I've been to accident scenes, I have been uh, to a lot of just catastrophic type of events, and I never saw anything as gruesome as I saw in that room that night. It was devastating. And they unplugged the machines. It didn't take but just a couple minutes. He was gone. I got the opportunity to stand with a family at a very holy moment as someone slips away from this earth into another home. I've thought back on that often. One of those moments in ministry that just kind of changes you just a little bit, just a little bit. To this day, I have no idea what I said. Even though everybody in the parking lot was very appreciative and they said, I said just the right thing. It made them feel so much better. I have no idea what I said. I remember this young man's mom hugging me and crying on my shoulder, thanking me so much for coming, for taking the time to be there. And what I said was just perfect and made her feel so much better uh, and just so I could continue to pray for her. I have no idea what I said. No clue. Uh, You know, I would like to think that they're correct and I was brilliant. I know better. But I know God was good that day. I remember leaving feeling completely worn out, 
but very mindful of the fact, had I turned around at the traffic light on the way when I wanted to, I would have missed every single moment after that where God wanted to use me to impact the lives of others and their lives to impact me. See, sometimes if I were to say to you, hey, you know, somebody being unplugged from life support can be a blessing, you'd say no. Well, yeah, yeah, it could be. And the fact that you're there could be a blessing. See, what we've done is we've defined blessings as those good, happy little moments, but we don't remember that in the midst of other moments, tough moments, sometimes God not only shows up, but he shows off in the best possible way. And there's moments where he takes you because he has blessed you and he puts you into those environments where you're supposed to do something. And trust me, I can tell you firsthand, even when you don't know what you're doing, show up. Because God will take that and he will use that and do something else. You don't have to be afraid, but sometimes we're so afraid that we don't know what to do with what God has given us. So we do nothing. And as a result, we become a holy hoarder. We try to hoard the blessings of God, and the blessings of God then become a curse. And you wonder why you're so miserable, because you're not doing what God called you to do. You're not being the person you were created to be. And sometimes fear will rob us of living out the blessing of God. The third thing I want you to see is I want you to see the scuffle of blessing. See, honest admission here, being blessed is not for the lazy. The blessing of God carries with it a hefty responsibility of doing something with that blessing. If you think God just gave you a blessing so you could just look at it and put it on a shelf and, and collect it and just admire it and take pictures of it and then post it, hashtag blessed, you're wrong. That's not why God has blessed you. That's not what blessing of God is all about. Uh, You might be interested to know that 60 seconds after a bee is born, that bee goes to work cleaning the honeycombs. 60 seconds. And they're putting that bee to work. That is your adolescence. That is your coalescence. And all of a sudden, you're working. Talk about graduating in a hurry. 60 seconds. Get to work. There is an expectation that God has for you to do something with the blessing that he has given you and to do it sooner than later. Matthew 19, 29, Jesus explains, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. How can he say that? Well, you can't give anything back to God that's not his already. But you can give back to him what he has entrusted to you. And he expects you to use what he's given you for his glory. If we fail to bless others, if we become holy hoarders, we reach a point in our life where there's a diminishing return. And all of a sudden, we find our lives to be empty. We find our lives to be not the life that we thought. And we can't figure out why we have it all, but we seem to be miserable. And here's why I'm going to tell you. God doesn't bless selfishness. When you're full of yourself, you're not full of God. The reason you're a prince or a princess is because Jesus made you that way. You didn't get that on your own. 
You're not that good without him. But yet he has done that in your life so that you will be able to flesh out what he says is real in scripture. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And we looked at that a couple weeks ago. So what happens is we're blessed, but we don't do what we ought to do. And so we never do the thing that might bring us joy because we're afraid if we do what we ought to do, we'll lose what we have and therefore we'll be sad. And as a result, we're never joyful enough to do what we need to do to have the joy that we want so badly. Ponder that. If you can figure out what the heck I said. Because at the end of the day, what happens is, what I'm saying to you is we get in our own way. We keep confusing the things that we think are going to make us happy. We confuse the things that are going to give us joy. And we think that by having things, that's it. It's the end game. It's not. The end game is to give it away. I'm going to be blunt with you. If you go home this afternoon and the televangelist on the television set tells you that he needs you to send him money to buy a new jet, I'd call him on that. I don't believe it. I think there's a lot more meals that need to be bought out there than there is a jet. But I also know this, that when we make investments in the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom of God, and we do so in a way that Jesus leads us, God's always going to take and bless it and do more with it. And so we have a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility to know what to do with the blessing that God gives us. I shared with you a couple weeks ago, we're going to be sharing with you by the time we get to the end of the series, some pretty pictures of where we think God is taking us as a ministry and some things that we're going to be building in the days ahead in that back 40 out there. And that's exciting stuff. We've been praying over this for a long, long time. We've been talking about this for a long, long time. And I, and I promise you, I, I want the church at 434 to be a bigger blessing in this community. I want us to have a, a long game, if you will, in, in, in leaving a legacy in this place. And I want us to be an outpost of the kingdom of God and I want us to do it more effectively. But the reason I want that is not for me and it's not for you. It's for God. And the reason that I think God's taking us there is because he's put us in position to do things in a very unique and powerful way and so we're going to expand and try to do that. And so we'll be sharing with, that you, in the day, with you in the days ahead. Um, and we're excited about it, but at the same time, we recognize that there is a bigness to it, and it's going to take faith to get there. There's a place that you may have heard of in Denver, or Toledo, Ohio, if you hang out there. It's called the So All May Eat Cafe. So All May Eat, same cafe. It's a nonprofit. It's designed uh, kind of like a soup kitchen. You can come in, you can eat, and then whatever you want to pay for the meal, you pay. And if you can't pay, you can stick around and clean tables. You can stick around and wash dishes in the back. You can stick around and clean the grounds outside. But everybody eats, and you pay what you can, or you work it off. Some people come in, and they pay more than the meal was worth so that others can eat. Some come in, and they can't pay anything or just a little bit. So they put the little bit they can toward the cause. And this restaurant, and they're hoping to open more, um, they serve pizzas and salads and burgers and, 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 and they do it simply because people need to eat. The name of the restaurant says it, so all may eat. See, and that flies in the face of what we want because 
when we go out to eat, we demand service. And we want to get what we paid for. And if we don't get it, we're mad. Any of you guys go out last Sunday afternoon or Mother's Day trying to get a place in a restaurant somewhere? That's crazy. And it's easy to get upset and it's easy uh, to get frustrated because the wait's too long or the service is too slow or the order's wrong because there's an expectation. But here's what you have to understand. There's a fine line between your expectation and selfishness. And you have to find that fine line. Nothing wrong with expectations. But if your expectations become sin, you've got a problem. And what we have to learn to do in our lives is make sure that we're doing the things that God has called us to do in the way that he's called us to do them. So that we can honor him with the resources that we have. And when you do that, you begin to discover that God has something far bigger than you ever imagined for your life. The last thing I want to mention to you is the sweetness of blessing before we sing again. The sweetness of blessing. Um, they say that sealed honey will last a thousand years. Go figure. Here's what I want you to know. If you bring me a jar of honey that's a thousand years old and we break that seal, I'm not going to eat it. I don't trust you that much. You weren't there when the, hunt, when the bee made it? You weren't there when it was put in the jar? I'm hard-pressed to think that you really do know if it's good or not after a thousand years, and I'm not going to be your crash test dummy to test it out. However, they do say that they have found honey in tombs with pharaohs, thousands of years old, and the honey is still good. Now, for a jar of honey uh, to be made, that little, that little bear that you buy in the store, that takes 20,000 trips to flowers back and forth by a bee to make that honey. Those bees are working it to make that sweet honey. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. The word there, uh, excel, comes from a Greek word meaning above and beyond. In other words, go above and beyond in all measure. It suggests a constant, expanding, always stretching motion. Here's what I know about a vision from God. If God gives you a God-sized vision, listen close, you'll never get there. Here's why. Because when God gives you a God-sized vision and he begins to grow you, you know what happens? The vision grows. The more that you grow in God, the further you go on the journey, the bigger that vision becomes. The reason the vision becomes bigger is because you can see it more. Why? Because you've grown more. So when you start pursuing God-sized visions in your life, then all of a sudden you'll be, have, be chasing a vision that is so much bigger and beyond you. It is above and beyond. And it's sweet. And when you get there and you get to experience it, it's fun. After her mother suffered a permanent brain injury in a car accident 20 years ago, Abigail Sailors was sent to live life in various foster homes. She and her siblings were put in a couple of different homes and they endured years of abuse. Two different foster fathers were actually put in jail later. At the age of 10, her brothers and sisters were put in a home 
with John and Susie Saylor, who raised all five kids as their own. They gave them a new last name. Uh, they created a new future for these kids to step out and, and live in. Last year, Abigail attended uh, a small Bible college in North Dakota where she's studying to be a youth minister. She'll never make any money at it, but she's studying to be a youth minister. This year, she was too broke uh, to pay tuition. So she went back. She had a friend and family connection in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so she's waiting tables at the Cracker Barrel in Lincoln, Nebraska, trying to save enough money to go back to school. One evening, uh, a little while back, Abigail was working a typical night shift. Two customers came into the Cracker Barrel and oddly asked to be given the grumpiest server in the house. The hostess said, we have no grumpy servers here, but I'll give you our happiest. And so they were seated in Abigail's section. As they sat there, and as Abigail came back and forth, as they ate their meal, they asked Abigail why she had been called the happiest server they have. And Abigail began to share her story over the course of bringing them drinks, over the course of checking on them, bringing them their food. She talked about her childhood. She talked about her mom's accident, the years of foster care. She talked about going to school and her future in student ministry. She talked about, the customer, talked about all the things that she was doing, and she summarized it by saying, God has blessed me with a lot of things, and they're good things, and I just want to bless others with what God has given me. As the men continued to talk to her, they lingered around, and they drank coffee at the end of their dinner, and one of them mentioned that he had graduated from the same Bible college that she was not currently attending but was going to go back to. As they came to the end of their time, the customer took out his checkbook and wrote out a check, not to Abigail, but to the Bible college that she was no longer attending but was going back to. $10,000 to cover the tuition. He also wrote another check, a $1,000 check for Abigail just for whatever she needed to use it for. And then on top of the bill, they also added a $500 tip. Wow. Just so she could be blessed. Out of nowhere, in her world, because she was happy, God dropped the answer to her prayers and blessed her because she blessed others. I am intrigued at how amazing God is in the way that he works and how God does things that we don't expect when we're willing to simply be who we were created to be. As I said earlier, we have a hard time getting out of our own way. And because we can't get out of our own way, we forget and miss the goodness of God. We don't always see what God's doing because we're not looking for it because we're so busy looking at ourselves in the mirror wondering what it is that we need to be doing next and I want you to know that the blessings of God are sweet and when you see the blessing of God you can't help but be the blessing that's been now what for the last few weeks see the blessing that you are see how God has blessed you See what he's doing in your life. And when you start your day that way, then you will be, that day, the blessing in the lives of others that you need to be. That is the now what once again. See it and be it. See the blessing 
be the blessing. And when you do, you'll be surprised at how you might change the world. Let's pray together. God, we recognize that um, life can get complicated. It gets busy. Sometimes a little bit crazy. And it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to lose our way. But Lord, the great news is that every night around midnight, tomorrow becomes today, and your mercies are brand new, and we get to start again. And we wake up, and when we wake up, we're given the gift of a day. And that day stretches out in front of us with endless possibilities and opportunities. And we have to decide and choose what we're going to do. Lord, I, I pray for each person in this room that we would be willing to see our lives for what they are. Lives that are blessed. Blessed with exactly what we need to do exactly what we're called to do. And I pray that we would not only see that, but then we would be willing to become that blessing in the lives of others. That we would see it. And that we would be it. Lord, we know that in this room uh, this morning, uh, there may be some who never made the decision to believe, trust, and follow you. There may be some watching online who never made the decision to follow Jesus. This can be their day. And I pray that they would quit kicking the tires on this thing called faith, that they would quit flirting at the edges with it, but instead they would simply decide that they would go all in and give their life to you and entrust you to work in them and do what it is that you created them for. Anybody who needs to make that decision, God, if they're here, I pray that before they leave this morning, they would drop us a note in our giving box on the way out the door. They'll let us know that's a decision you want to make. If they're watching online, they can send us an email, even now, and just say, I want to accept Jesus as Savior. Lord, for most of us in this room, we know you, and we want to get it right. We're trying to follow best we can. But we need to stay out of our way. And we need to reorient our lives in such a way that we see each day for the gift that it is. And embrace that gift and live it to the fullest. If we could do that, everything around us would change. The people, the places we go, and the things that we see happening around us would all become different because we would be living as people striving to bless others and share your love. Teach us that lesson and know that we have the freedom to do it because you are good and because you're faithful. And it's who we are created to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.